There we go. We on? Okay. I guess I'm losing my sense of hearing. I couldn't couldn't hear it very well. Good morning. It's good. <clears throat> it's it's good to be with y'all today. Um, glad that you're. <clears throat> oh my goodness. <clears throat> it's good to be with you in the house of the Lord today on this beautiful, gorgeous day. Isn't it a beautiful day today? And uh, whether it's a good day outside or a bad day outside, it's always a great day to be inside the house of the Lord. Uh, along with the Lord's people, to worship Him in spirit and in truth. So if you're visiting with us, um, you should find, if you're online, um, it's on your screen. If you're here present with us and you're visiting, uh, you'll find in your bulletin a QR code, and you can take that and use your mobile app device camera, and uh, it will take you to a spot on the Internet where you can find a bulletin. Um, and in that bulletin, it's got um, our order of worship, any some announcements. Um, it also has our um, sermon notes and things like that, prayer lists, and, and so I want to encourage you to make sure and, and uh, bring that up for yourself. But then also there is uh, down at the bottom a place where you can fill out a, a visitor card. It's a digital visitor card, but we always appreciate those who take the time to fill those out. So I would encourage you to do that. I do want to make a few announcements before we get into our... Uh, I'm actually going to change the order of service just a bit, um, but it'd be hardly noticeable. Um, I w- did want to make a few announcements. I, I failed to uh, adjust the time uh, for movie night in the fellowship hall tonight. That will be at 6 o'clock rather than 6.30. We're going to watch a movie called Blue Miracle. And if you're aware of this, you may not be aware of this, our church uh, supports Casa Hogar, which is an orphanage down in Mexico. And uh, the story of Casa Hogar is uh, what this particular movie is based on. So I encourage you to be here tonight at 6 o'clock. Just enjoy this fellowship with us. Be encouraged through the movie. We will be back on our normal Wednesday schedule coming this Wednesday. We apologize for having to uh, suspend activities for a bit. That's just the way things have gone as of late. And so now we're back to our normal schedule. And it's posted there in the bulletin for your convenience. Um, this is the last Sunday that you can give to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. And uh, there is a misprint in the bulletin, and that's okay, uh, because I think we know that there's a one that goes in front of that first one. Our church goal was $6,500, and given to date is $11,043. So praise God that, that our goal has been nearly doubled. But you can continue to give uh, today um, and uh, through the end of January. Marshall will send that in sometime fairly soon. Um, any other announcements need to be made? Oh, Ken, yes. Blessing boxes. We're going to uh, get another shipment of blessing boxes for Arctic Barnabas Ministries. We're going to get those ready and send those around March 15th. Um, so if you have questions about what can go in the boxes, I think there's information back there in the foyer by the box, so you'll be able to find out what you can contribute to this. And um, so that... If you remember, sometime back, Shelby and Debbie Smith were here, and, and they're the ones that received those blessing boxes and spread them out to missionaries and pastors and their families. So, I did want to make one other announcement, and this really, um, this is more of a community announcement than anything else. Uh, perhaps you're aware, and this flows into our prayer time, perhaps you're aware uh, that we've had some folks move uh, to our community, um, Alicia Davis and her family, um, her husband, her, and and. Dave uh, and their kids, and, and they're all at, at our school, 
Um, and and um, Megan, the youngest, um, has had a tough bout lately, and it was really, really scary. Uh, there was some, they, they thought that if they didn't get things under control, um, that, that there would be some major, um, major things happen to Megan. I don't want to go into a lot of details. I think you can find those on Facebook if you're so inclined. Um, at any rate, the family, um, of course, Alicia has not been able to work. Um, Dave, I think, has been able to work some, but you can understand the financial strain upon them not being able to work. So if you'd be willing to contribute um, to that family, you can put it in the offering plate and just make sure it's designated um, Megan Davis, um, and we'll get it to where it needs to go. You can give it to Marsha if you'd like to do that discreetly, uh, just however you'd like to do that. But I know there'd be a great blessing to their family if we could lift them up in this way. Any other announcements that need to be made? We do want to make sure, and I'm going to move the prayer time to right now because of the Lord's Supper service that we're having today. I apologize for going long, but I'll make it up on the back end. Um, um, do you have any updates on your mom? Is everything? No, um, all about the same. Okay. From which I've shared with everyone kind of updates on that on the last week. Okay. Nothing's really changed. Okay. So Brenda's doing about the same. Okay, well, we're glad to hear that. Um, Eddie May, still recovering from his um, malaria, and I believe he's supposed to be coming home in the next week or so. Um, I believe Mary Catherine is supposed to be back by the 6th, um, so I would assume that Eddie would be coming along uh, as well. Um, Gail is doing remarkably well. We're thankful for how the Lord is uh, working in her life and just grateful to, to have her um, show up at ball games and... Uh, all of you care deeply about her and check on her, and we're, as a family, so grateful for that. Um, I'm not really aware of any other updates at this point. Uh, is there anything that you all would like to share? Um, uh, anything new you'd like to share or any updates you'd like to share about our prayer list? Sorry? Oh, Larry, yes, sorry. Okay. 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 All right, so that's Will Shannon, Larry's nephew. Got fluid on the lungs. Um, anyone else? Well, let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer, uh, and then I'll lead us in a call to worship, and we'll worship together. Father, we are grateful again to be in your house this day, and to be loved by you, uh, and to be encouraged because of the finished work of Christ um, that has been given. The effects of it, the benefits of it have been applied to our lives and we are now able to, to come and hear and worship you in spirit and in truth, knowing that our sins are covered, the spirit lives within us, that you've called us together as a body and uh, you've instructed us on how we are to worship you. And so, Father, help us to do that today. We do lift up um, Will Shannon. God, we pray that you would heal his body. pray that doctors would be able to quickly discover uh, what the particular issue is, what's causing it, so that they can address it, and that he will be healed quickly. And Father, we also pray uh, for Megan, and just knowing that this has been a kind of a trying time for her, having had this surgery, and they're, they're hoping, praying that the antibiotics that are in her system, that they will do the, the job that is needed uh, for her to return to health. Pray, God, that you would meet the needs of their family, and uh, that they would, after all of this, 
turn and, and face you and flat-footed say, Lord, this was all because of you, and we give you glory. We pray it in Christ's name. Amen. Well, this morning we are going to observe the Lord's Supper together, so I'm going to do a little bit of upfront work um, as a part of the call to worship. If you have not received one of these, they're on the back table, the back of the foyer. You're feel, feel free at any time to get up and go get one. But I do want to do a call to worship <clears throat> related to the fact that we are uh, observing the Lord's Supper today. Um, every Sunday that we come together, every Sunday that we come together is a time of worship, uh, regardless of whether we are receiving the Lord's Supper or not. But since we are receiving the Lord's Supper this morning, it's important for us to remember that this is truly an act of worship. And one of the things that we always want to do as a church is to worship God aright. We want to worship Him rightly. And so Paul, in 1 Corinthians 11, I'm going to pick up in verse 27. It says this, Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many of you are weak and ill and some have died. So Paul says it's important that we understand when we come into this time that we need to be prepared to do it. He mentions a couple of things um, early in the chapter. One, that there's divisions in the church. Secondly, he talks about that there's some sin in the fellowship. There's, there's drunkenness in the church because one person eats and another one gets drunk. So there's two things here to address. And the important thing is that you and I understand that we never show up to this table flawless. Ever. We never, ever show up to the table flawless. But we can show up to the table acknowledging this. For instance, Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, if a brother has something against you, leave your offering. Go to your brother and be reconciled and then come and make your offering. He also tells us that we are not to be in unrepentant and rebellious sin. But if you have gone to your brother and said, I want to be reconciled, and your brother refuses, you're free. If you have fallen again this week in the sin that so easily plagues you, but your heart is broken and you're longing to repent and do right, you're ashamed of it, you know that it brings a disrepute on the name of the Lord, you're not stiffening your neck, you're not hardening your heart, but you are truly repentant, you're free to take the supper this morning. But if you're refusing reconciliation with a brother or sister, don't take the supper. If you are rebellious in your sin, saying it's not sin when God has clearly spoken, or it's really not that bad, then I want to repeat the warning of Paul. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. I fully realize that if you have already taken this and gone to your seat and then you don't take it, you're, make, you're, you're, make, you're saying something publicly. But that is okay. What you're really saying is, 
I long to worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. And until there's some things taken care of in my heart and in my mind, I'm going to put this off. There's going to be a time when I come back to this and my heart is going to be ready and I will receive it with joy. Let's stand and worship the Lord this morning.
Children, if you will come forward for the children's service. Raise your hand if you have family here. Everybody, right? Somebody brought you here, right? You didn't drive? No? Okay, put it down. Um, raise your hand if you have a grandparent here. Raise your hand. Put it down. Raise your hand if you have a cousin here. Right? Okay, put it down. Raise your hand if you have a brother or sister here. Should be everybody. Right? Okay. Um, we just all, we all have family, right? And every family looks different. We just had Christmas. We celebrated with a lot of family that we don't always get to see, right? Um, so family is so important. In the Bible, God made the first family. Who was the first people that God made? Right? So in Genesis, I'm going to read it to you. Genesis 2:18. Uh, then the Lord's, Lord God said, It is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper corresponding to him. And he made Eve. God intended for family to be there for you in times of need. And I'm going to let you in on a little secret. Everyone here is my family. Did you know that? Yeah? We're all church family, right? This is our church family. So I'm going to turn over to Mark. Mark 4, 31 through 35. Um, Jesus is sitting with a crowd, and Jesus' mom and brothers came and sent word to him and called him, and the crowd got word to Jesus. So on 35, he said, Whoever does the will of God is my brother and my sister and my mother. So just like our family at home, we need to consider the church our family too. And what do families do? They help each other. They take care of each other. So I'm going to open it up to Hebrews 10, 24, and 25. It says, oh, that's Matthew. I mean, that's Mark. <laughs> Hebrews says, and let us watch out for one another to provoke love and good works, not neglecting together together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other. So we are so fortunate in Cherokee that we not only get to see our church family on Sundays and Wednesdays, we get to see our church family at school, we get to see them at sports, we may even be related to our church family, like our grandparents or our cousins or whatever. Some people that are in other countries and they're missionaries, their churches are like 10 people, so they don't have a big church family. Okay, let's pray. Dear God, thank you for family. Thank you for grandparents, mothers, fathers, brothers, sisters. We also thank you for our church family. Help us to love and care for one another as you have taught us, giving the grace that you give us every day. Amen.
through 12. To the choir master, according to the a psalm of the song, Sons of Korah. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, thanks, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. Even the sparrow finds a home and a, and a swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young at your altar, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praises. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, in whose heart are the highway to Zion. As they go through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. O Lord, God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. Behold our shield, O God. Look on the face of your anointed. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. It amazes me. The psalmist says, better is one day in your house, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. And yet how many times do we seek other things? But I thank God that we have a Savior who is Jesus Christ, who has redeemed us so that all that we face, the temptations and the pains of this world, we will spend thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of years in the presence of our Father. Not because of what we've done, but because of what He's done.
And as we sing together this morning, Father, we want this to be the cry of our heart, that you alone are Lord. God, we know that your word says every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. So God, we do that this morning willingly, saying that you are Lord. So be glorified in us this morning. Do what pleases you. say it to him, you are Lord. You are Lord. You are Lord. You are risen from the dead and you If you'll take your copy of God's Word, turn to Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14, verses 15 through 24. While you're turning there, I, I just wanted to go back and there's one thing I failed to say. <coughs> Excuse me. At the beginning when I was speaking about the supper and taking it, um, first I want to say uh, I needed to shepherd us like that. Because I just fear that there are people who come to the supper and, and will think I'm never worthy. I can never confess enough sin. I can never do enough right. And so I don't deserve this. None of us do. 
And so I wanted to be able to shepherd you in that way. But I also wanted to, to give you the opportunity during the service to deal with God and whoever else you might need to deal with so that you can receive it this morning. And so you can go away with joy. Luke chapter 14, verses 15 through 24. If you didn't bring a Bible, there's a hardback uh, black one somewhere around you. Turn to the back, find page 59. You'll be at Luke chapter 14. Uh, If you would please stand for the reading of God's Word. This is Luke chapter 14, verses 15 through 24, and this is God's Word. When one of those who reclined at table with him heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. But he said to him, A man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a field, and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, Go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city, and bring in the poor and crippled and blind and lame. And the servant said, Sir, what you commanded has been done, and there is still room. And the master said to the servant, Go out to the highways and hedges and compel people to come in, that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. Let's pray together. Lord God, uh, I think that, that this parable is fairly easy to pick up the meaning of. So help us, Lord, to discern its meaning from Scripture rightly, to apply it to our lives, and especially today as we consider uh, the banquet that we are participating in this morning, which is sort of a sign of what is to come. So help us to prepare our hearts to receive your supper today by hearing the words of the Lord today. We pray in His name. Amen. You may be seated. Um, Just to give you a little bit of context related to uh, this parable, I want to walk briefly through the first 11, or I'm sorry, first 14 verses of Luke chapter 14, Jesus is at a house on a Sabbath, dining at uh, the house of a ruler of the Pharisees. He was invited, but it really was not out of goodwill. Notice in verse 1, it says, they were watching him carefully. Now, they weren't watching to see, what kind of a man is this? Let's see all the good he's, he's doing. Now, he was a threat to them. Uh, he, in their mind, blasphemed the Lord by calling himself, equating himself with God. Um, and so, they, and, and his teaching uh, convicted them greatly and put them at odds with even their own teaching in the eyes of the people who listened to them. Also there at this particular banquet, there was a man who had dropsy. And we don't hear that term very often. Really what it means is just swelling. There's an excess fluid. A medical term would be edema. So he has that. Uh, And so Jesus asked them, 
should I heal? Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? And, and they couldn't answer Christ. So he healed the man. And then he said to them, in verse 5, Which of you, having a son or ox that has fallen into a well on the Sabbath day, will not immediately pull him out? And they had no answer for him. Then Jesus went right into a parable Uh, And he said in verse 7, Now he told a parable to those who were invited when he noticed how they chose the places of honor. So they were people who who loved the places of honor. And Christ told this parable to help them to understand they really needed um, to consider um, jostling over the positions of honor and to consider places of honor differently says in verse 10, But when you're invited, go sit in the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he may say to you, Friend, move up higher, then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who ex- humbles himself will be exalted. And that leads into um, <clears throat> the setup of this morning's parable. So Jesus turns to the man who had invited him to the dinner and tells him, Basically, you need to have a different guest list. You've invited all the well-to-do, all the higher-ups, all the movers and shakers, all the people that are clean and and nice and good. And he says, when you give a banquet, and here's why he says, you you need to change your guest list because all of those who are nice and clean and upstanding and upright and good and in your eyes, they can repay you. Instead, change your guest list. Verse 13, when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, and you will be blessed Because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. So there's the setup. And that leads into verse 15 where this man who is there, someone says, verse 15, When one of those who reclined at table with him heard these things that I just related to you, he said to him, he being the the person um, there with him, said to Jesus, Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. Now, this could be a genuine statement. I grant that. This could be a genuine statement. Like today, as we celebrate the Lord's Supper, part of what we're doing is we're remembering this is a wedding rehearsal banquet. One day we will, and we look forward to the day, when we celebrate with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ at the Messianic banquet, which is told about in, um, in, in, in uh, Revelation 19.9. And the angel said to me, write this, Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. Jesus made reference to it uh, when he first instituted the Lord's Supper in Luke 22 when he said, And when the hour came, he reclined at the table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup and when he had given thanks... He said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. So I I could put it into this man's mind that that he could be just looking forward to that day when all things are put right and we are joining in worship and fellowship with our Savior. But I think given the company of the banquet, it's very likely, in fact it's not unlikely, I believe, that the man's statement had what we might call a groundless assumption. A groundless assumption. Again in verse 15, he says, Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. And I believe this is what his groundless assumption is. 
the scrupulously religious assume that they will be the honored guests at the Messianic banquet. They look at themselves, they pat themselves on the back, and they believe, man, blessed is everyone who will eat the, the bread, eat bread in the kingdom of God. And they're thinking, us. Of course, us. The problem is, remember back in the first part of chapter 14, they would not even lift a finger to help this man with dropsy. They were like the ones in the parable of the Good Samaritan who crossed over to the other side so they wouldn't get dirty. They're the ones that Jesus refers to in Matthew 23, verses 23 and 24, when he says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the other. You blind guides, straining out a gnat and swallowing a camel. They could have shown this man mercy, but they wouldn't lift a finger to help him. They also were jostling for positions of honor. And Jesus speaks about these type of people in Matthew 23, verses 5 through 7, when he says, They do all their deeds to be seen by others. For they make their phylacteries broad and their fringes long. And they love the place of honor at feasts and the best seats in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplace and being called rabbi by others. And then they only invited those like themselves. And they're guilty of the sin of partiality, which if you read the book of James, chapter 2, the first, first section there, you will find what James has to say about partiality. I'm surprised that this man with dropsy was even allowed in or anywhere near. But their religiosity was fake, and it really was an indication of their lack of godly fruit. They were self-righteous. And Jesus says numerous times in, verses, in, in chapter 23 of Matthew, Woe, W-O-E, woe. In other words, instead of being blessed, having full of wholeness and health, being in oneness with your God, you are disconnected from Him and you are full of rottenness through and through. That's why Jesus said, you're like whitewashed tombs. You're all clean on the outside, but inside you're full of dead man's bones. But yet they assumed that they would be the honored guests at the Messianic banquet. And so this is why Jesus, knowing they didn't understand, tells this parable. And he leads the parable with, in verses 16 and 17, the gracious invitation. Verse 16, But he said to him, A man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. The gracious invitation is that the master of the house, he invites guests to enjoy his company and fellowship. And one of the things that we have to do when we interpret Scripture, particularly a parable, is to figure out what each of the parts mean. For instance, when it says a man gave a banquet, the man is Jesus. He's the master of the house. And when it says he gave a great banquet, it teaches us that the master of the house is a man of means. He's able to, at great expense to himself, prepare a lavish banquet and leave nothing undone. And as they are, have been invited to a banquet, why this was a high privilege to be invited to eat with someone meant that they wanted your fellowship and your company. It meant that they wanted intimacy, friendship, and relationship with you. 
So this great man was giving a, ban- a man was giving a great banquet, and he invited. He sent a personal invitation that would be delivered by the servant to each person. And it was presumed that when you received that invitation, that you would respond. And so that when the master gave the invitation, he presumed he was going to receive a response so that he could be diligent and thorough in preparing his banquet. And also, when he received a positive response saying, yes, I'll be there, it would also indicate the invitee's anticipation of the festive occasion. If you've ever been invited to someone's house, and you know, hey, we're all getting together, and it's going to be on this and such day. And you think, oh man, what can I bring? How can I be a part? I look forward to this. Sounds great. That's what the master was inviting the people to. Notice it says he invited many. Many. Not just a few. Many. Indicating he's a person of means. He's generous. He's hospitable. He's not closed off. He's inviting. He's humble. He's sharing. But one thing we must realize here in the, con- in the greater context of what Jesus is speaking about in this particular parable. Jesus is being closely watched by the Pharisees, these religious leaders, because he's condemning them in so many different ways. He is the Messiah, the one that they had hoped for, and yet they reject him. And so in this parable, when you hear that he invited many, that word many, first and foremost, refers to the nation of Israel, the people of Israel. And so after making all the necessary preparations for the banquet, the master sends the bondservant out to notify the invited guests that it's time. The banquet's here. Everything's ready. Come quickly. Again, the man is Jesus. The banquet? Well, it's the Messianic banquet. It's the marriage supper of the Lamb. That's why it's important that we talk about this today since we're sharing the Lord's Supper together. This banquet indicates that all who are there are in fellowship with God through Christ. Again, the many referred to are Israel, the bondservants, our prophets. And when the master's servant says, everything is now ready, that indicates to us that God has made all the necessary preparations for Israel to embrace their Messiah and through Him to enjoy fellowship with God. That's what this parable is about. But notice how this gracious invitation was met. It was met with a gross insult. Verse 18. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a field and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. The invited guests insult the master by refusing his fellowship and company. For some reason, the text does not say. For some reason, they all alike began to make excuses. The first excuse, the first person says, I I have a field that I've purchased, and I've got to go see it. And I think we would all agree that it would be difficult to imagine 
knowing that there are farmers around here, it's difficult to imagine that the field that would have been purchased was purchased sight unseen, that he had never gone to see it. Nevertheless, was that field going anywhere? Not at all. But this was a gross insult. To first say, yes, I will come, and then to give an excuse, a lame one at that, and to shroud it in polite platitudes and in a facade of responsibility. Oh, you understand, I must go and take care of this. The next person had purchased some oxen. Again, it's difficult to imagine that the oxen would have been purchased apart from testing their fitness. Again, the oxen are not going anywhere. But it's another gross insult. In this context, in this eastern context, to refuse the invitation like this really is, and this is not overstatement, it was a gross insult. In fact, the community looked down severely on this. But it was a gross insult, and it was disguised in politeness. Please please excuse me. And it was also uh, disguised in due diligence. You understand I have to do my due diligence and go and look at these oxen? The final person says, I got married. I can't come. That's basically it. In Scripture, Deuteronomy 24, verse 5, a newlywed husband was exempted from military service in Israel for one year after his wedding so he could enjoy being married. But this verse in Deuteronomy doesn't provide any basis for the gross insult that he paid to the master. And furthermore, he's not even polite about it. Got married, can't come. And that's it. Now I want you to notice, if we speak in broad terms, property, work, Family are all valued over fellowship with the master. And so the bondservant comes and reports these things to his master. Notice what it says in verse 21. Then the master of the house became angry. Is this right for the master of the house to be angry? Well, we must say that here, knowing who the master is, Jesus, this is righteous anger. We know what unrighteous anger looks like, James 1, 19 and 20. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. But notice here how the anger of God produces the righteousness of God. Notice how the master reacts. He reacts to their gross insult with a generous command. He says to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the poor and crippled and blind and lame. His command was, Go, bring in the outcast and bring them in to be guests at my table. Now these outcasts, again, looking at this as a parable, these outcasts, according to the Israelites, especially these particular religious leaders, would have been the Gentiles, as well as the poor, the crippled, the blind, the lame. So when Jesus says, go out and bring in the outcasts, this means that He is extending His invitation not only to Israel, to 
to the Gentiles, to the world. This was prophesied in Isaiah. And this shows that God desires a, to host a banquet and a fellowship. God will not give up bringing a people to himself. He, he says, go to where they are. Go out quickly to the streets and the lanes of the city. That's where they'll be. And he tells him to go out quickly because the preparations have been made. And he tells the servant, bring them. Now, these new guests, I think we can understand this. These new guests would have had trouble believing that this was a serious invitation. I mean, because this is the master, right? Is this really genuine? You really mean I can go? Surely this is just a cruel joke meant to make a mockery out of me. That's why the master tells the servant, bring them. Bring them. Go out to where they are and bring them. The poor, the crippled, the blind, the lame. Like the man with dropsy who wasn't welcome at the dinner with the religious leaders. The man with dropsy the poor, crippled, blind, lame, the Gentiles who in the mind of these religious leaders believe would not be present at the Messianic banquet. Jesus says, go and get them. Bring them. Notice the master's great compulsion here. Notice it. He gives a command and then the servant does what is commanded. Verse 22, and the servant said, sir, What you have commanded, what you commanded has been done and still there is room. And the master is not satisfied. He is compelled to fill his house with guests. Verse 23, and the master said to his servant, go out to the highways and the hedges and compel people to come in that my house may be filled. Don't just go to the lanes and the streets, go outside the city to the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in. Tell them this is a real offer of fellowship. They can come. I will welcome them into my fellowship and enjoy their company and they will enjoy mine. Compel them to come. Make them believe that this is a real invitation. It's genuine. Make them know that I really, truly do desire their company. And why does the Master do this? He tells us that my house may be full. That my house may be full. And when he says house, don't think of a a structure. Think of a household. It's not just filling the house with guests. It's making them a part of a greater household. Remember Luke chapter 2. Why did Joseph go to Bethlehem? Because he was of the house and line of David. That's what Jesus means by house. The master is compelled to fill his house with guests. Now we can understand The banquet is Christ calling people to himself and he wants them to come. He wants his house completely full. And he closes the parable with the grave repercussion. The grave repercussion. Look at verse 24. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. This is what Jesus is saying here. 
The honored guests are the outcasts in the end. So upside down from what the culture would say and from what these religious leaders would say, they would view themselves as the honored guests, but they're going to be put out on their ear. They'll be the ones who are outcast. In verse 24, when Jesus says, For I tell you, perhaps you noticed in your Bible, the footnote there that says in the Greek, the word you is plural. Jesus has stepped out of the story and back into the situation in which he is telling the story. Jesus is now warning those at the party that to refuse the master's invitation brings grave repercussions. He says they'll never taste my banquet. It means they're excluded. And to be excluded from the banquet is to be excluded from his fellowship. And what is meant here, I think we understand, it's hell. It's being cut off from the fellowship with the Lord. It's hell and it's final and it's unchangeable. You cannot, when you receive the invitation of the master, say, you know, I can't come this time. Maybe next time. Thanks for your understanding. Because when the master fills his house, there will be no next time. The master of the house, Christ Jesus, our Lord, has made all things ready. His personal invitations continue to go out. And I want you to listen to this. The invitation to salvation and the messianic banquet is for both groups in this parable. It's for the scrupulously religious And it's also for the outcast. You see, the scrupulously religious, they must come to grips with the fact that they, despite their wonderful religiosity, are really outcasts who neither deserve an invitation nor get one automatically. And the outcast must realize they don't need to fix themselves and measure up to the artificial standards of the religious so that they're more deserving of the invitation. No, they're to come just as they are. Can I pose you a question? What does God see in you that He would invite you into fellowship with Him? Answer, nothing. Nothing at all. Nothing but sin and brokenness then why, as a follow-up question, would He stoop to invite such unworthy guests? Isn't that below the dignity of the Master? Why would He do this? Grace, mercy, compassion, love, a desire to have a house full of people who will enjoy unbroken fellowship with Him. The reason that we can have that unbroken fellowship is because of the finished work of Christ. We have nothing to offer when the invitation comes. We may only accept. And so I ask you, what have you done with the Master's invitation? Have you assumed 
Your present religious achievements guarantee your presence at his banquet? Have you said, maybe next time, I'm a little busy right now, maybe when things slow down. Have you believed that you must make yourself worthy of the invitation before you can accept it? If any of those responses are in your head, I need to tell you, all of them are correct. Furthermore, not only are they incorrect, they lead to condemnation and judgment. So you hear the invitation to come. And you're just flabbergasted that He would even think of you. And the question in your mind might be, Can I really come? Really? Me? I, I can come. Yes, he says. And all that's left for us to say then, I'll come. Lord God, how grateful we are that you are the master of the house and you have prepared and are preparing such a lavish banquet, one that which those who love you and have received your invitation will all join you there. We look forward to it. And as we receive the cup and the bread, we think of it. We think, why would you stoop to invite us? But you have, and it is for your glory and for our good. Lord, if there are any here today that need to make a profession of faith, May they understand that now is the time. Not next time, not later, not maybe when I get more time, but now. And that you stand with open arms. That the invitation is real and genuine. That you desire them to come. We pray it in Christ's name. Amen. We're going to sing at the cross. And I encourage you, if there's any sort of knowing what we're about to do next. To receive the supper together. If there's any sort of preparation that you need to do. The the altar's open to pray. Um, we're going to sing a few verses and give you time, uh, and then we'll receive the cup together, the, the supper together, and we'll be dismissed.
Sorry about that. If you would please uh, take your serving of the Lord's Supper. If anyone has not yet gotten one, you're free right now to go and grab a copy for or uh, some for yourself. Um, if you would go ahead and uh, we'll open the bread first. If you'll do that and um, take the bread and just wait, we'll all receive it together. This is 1 Corinthians eleven, twenty-three. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. He would carefully open the juice. Picking up again in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 25. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Paul concludes this section of 1 Corinthians 11 by saying, For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. Let's stand, we'll sing the doxology, and we'll be dismissed.